Welcome to the Attracting Lasting Love podcast presented by CoachingWithFroy.com. You've found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of CoachingWithFroy.com, number one best-selling author, certified relationship coach, and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hello there, and welcome to another edition of the Attracting Lasting Love podcast. My name is Roy Biancolana. I am your host, as always, and I want to explain something right at the get-go here, and if you stick with me, you'll see where I'm going with this. So I have written three books, but right now I'm just going to talk about the most recent two books. My second book was called Attracting Lasting Love, Breaking Free of the seven barriers that keep you single. So that book examined the ways that we sabotage ourselves and keep us from attracting lasting love. Okay? My most recent book, my third book, is called Relationship Boot Camp. Hardcore training for life, love, and the pursuit of intimacy. And that book focused more on the behaviors and actions that we need to embody in order to attract lasting love. Do you get the difference there? My second book focused on all the things that we need to let go of that get in the way. My most recent book are what are the seven things that we need to build into our lives or commit to. Okay, so this podcast from the very beginning has always been a mixture of both of those ideas. The podcast is named Attracting Lasting Love, but I think the podcast subtitle would be based on my third book, Hardcore Training for Life, Love, and the pursuit of intimacy. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is because over the next two podcasts, this one and the one to follow, this one is going to focus on hardcore training in our in our pursuit of love. It's going to be about our love lives. The next podcast which is going to be my birthday edition, is going to be talking about life. So if the subtitle of my third book and this podcast would be Hardcore Training for Life, for Love, and the Pursuit of Intimacy, this podcast is about love. The next one is going to be about life. Now here's why I say that. Both of these next two podcasts, I'm going to be speaking about myself and my own current experience. There's some things that I'm going through, literally, as I record this, that I want to use as an example and as kind of a a jumping off point for your desire to find a partner which is what today is about, the search for a partner. 
But then next week, I'm going to talk about something going on in my life, which is going to be my 63rd birthday. And I'm going to talk about life, not so much about finding a partner, but your own relationship with yourself. So we could say really that my work in my books and my coaching and even in my podcasts, it's all about relationship. First with yourself and then with a intimate partner. So this podcast is going to be all about your relationship with and your pursuit of an intimate partner. And I'm going to talk about something going on in my life as a way to give you direction and coaching toward that. And then the next podcast is going to be about something that I'm going through with my birthday that is going to speak just to your relationship with yourself. Okay, so hopefully that sounds intriguing and interesting to you and you're going to dive in here um, with both this week and next week. Okay, so having laid that groundwork, let's jump right in um, because I am titling this podcast, The Search, right? That's kind of what what single people are doing, at least if you're listening to this podcast, you're searching for attracting lasting love. You're wanting to be in a relationship. You're wanting to find a partner, a life partner. And so I want to, even though I'm married, happily married, my 15th wedding anniversary is coming up on May 9th. Um, there's something going on in my life right now that I have just recently discovered Man, this is just like my clients or the people that listen to my podcast or read my books. It's it's just like looking for a partner. And that is my wife and I are looking to buy a house. We've been renting for the last couple of years. And now we're kind of moving in direction of wanting to buy a house. And as we've been going through this, it's just dawned on me, there are so many parallels to looking for a house, to looking for a partner. And I sort of wanted to share with you how I'm going about my search, because I think it will apply to your search for a partner and maybe give you some real pointers I think that can really help. So I'm just going to meander my way through this and sort of go back and forth and share with you the similarities that are going on here. And then then toward the end, I'm going to circle back and give you the real crux, the real learning about what you can take away from my search for a house and how I'm handling it and your search for a partner and how you can handle it. Okay? So let me just list off some kind of incredibly similar things going on. So first, my wife and I started to just have this feeling, we'd like to move. We'd like to get into a relationship with a house of our own. (laughs) Okay? So we started having the, the instinct, the urge, the desire for that. Now that just came up for us here relatively recently, but you might have had the urge that I want to find a partner, I want to move in with someone, I I want to do that. That might have been around for you for a long time. But the similarity is that you might 
really feel the urge and the desire to find someone. And we started having the urge to find someone. Okay. Now, what did we do? Well, we kept our eyes open as we were driving around, you know, in the various vicinities that we might like to live. So we were keeping our eyes open as we just lived our normal lives. And when you're looking for a partner, you can sort of go through your life, hang out with your friends, do your thing, do your activities, and keep your eyes open for someone and be available to what you might stumble upon, right? Just like my wife and I, we have stumbled upon, driven by new housing developments and said, wow, let's look into that, right? So it just kind of happened without any planning. And you can do the same. You you have this desire to be with someone, you're out and about, boom, you, you bump into someone, you see someone and say, oh, wow, that could be a possibility, <laughs> okay? But the other way is we've gone online and we've gone to the MLS listings and we've even hired a real estate agent. Now, there are some parallels there too, right? There are a lot of people who hire their version of a real estate agent in their search for love, maybe a matchmaker, right? You, you hire a matchmaker and what do they do? They send you matches or potential matches for you to review. What does a real estate person do? We hired them. They start sending us emails with links to available houses that fall into our price range and the areas that we want to live. <laughs> you see, it's exactly the same. Now, real estate agents, I have found to be very helpful and it, it, it really does work. It can save you a lot of legwork. I have not personally ever heard anyone say that a matchmaker has helped them. It's just, it's just unarguable. I have never heard a person tell me, Roy, I used a matchmaker and that's how I found my partner. Never once in 15 years. That doesn't mean it will never work. It could. I'm sure if they stay in business, they must be helping someone. Otherwise the word would get around. So just as an aside, I don't recommend matchmakers. I've just never seen it work. I don't think you need it. I think you can do your own online thing, right? Because in a sense, whether it's match.com or Bumble or whatever, I mean, you're not having matches or potential matches sent to you. I guess maybe you would be if you're using eHarmony. I think they, they try to get your information and what you're looking for and then connect you with people that might be in alignment with you, but that's all the here nor there. The parallels are we both are searching for something and we're both using the internet and we're scrolling through, okay? So now as we come across all these houses that we're finding online, what we're doing is we're, because there's really so many even though it's not a great housing market right now, there still are a lot of options. And we are looking at the house. We're looking at the pictures. We're looking at the description. And we are only pursuing the ones that really seem like really good possibilities. Right? We're not wasting any time and wanting to go see 
something that doesn't have the right size or the right location or the right price range. So we are really being picky with the online suggestions we're getting. And that's what you do, or at least that's what you should do. There's lots of people available online and you should be very picky and only pursuing, responding to, clicking on, sending a message to people that you you look at their pictures, right? Just like I look at pictures of the, the size of the master bedroom or the kitchen or the living room, right? You look at their pictures. And so you look at all that and then you decide if you want to go see that person. Just like when we look at the pictures, we decide, do we want to go see that property? That's our first meeting with the property, you could say, our potential partner, (laughs) right? We're looking for a townhouse, actually, not a house. I don't want to I don't want to deal with an actual house and be cutting grass and all that crap. I've been there, done that, don't want to do it anymore. But when we we see something online that looks pretty good, then we set up and we want to go meet. We want to see this thing. That's what you do, isn't it? You see something online, looks interesting. You know, it's it looks like it's worthy of your effort and your time. It it looks like the kind of person you might want to be with, be interested in. It's it's hitting whatever little criteria you might have, like like the townhouses are hitting the criteria we have in terms of size and location and price. You have your you have your criteria, don't you? Right? And so when you see something that's like, ooh, that sounds like it might be a good fit, then you want to set up a first meeting. You want to go sit down and talk to that person and and get a feel for them. Well, that's what we're doing. So here's what happens when we go and we go into a place and we walk around. We're feeling it. We're interacting with the house. We're trying to look beyond the way the house is decorated or how dirty or clean it might be. And we're, we're looking at it and both my wife and I, but maybe especially my wife in this situation, she's feeling what, what's it like here? Because we already know that it's in the price range, it's in a location, and it is of a size that we want. Otherwise, we wouldn't even be here. And I recommend that for your online dating stuff. Don't even go see someone if everything doesn't appear to line up. Right? Don't, don't go on a date with someone where whatever two or three criteria you might have, maybe it's age, maybe it's a religious affiliation, maybe it's uh, a stage of life that they might be in or something like that. You know, you want someone, I don't even, I don't even want to go into it, but don't even, don't even go have a coffee with someone unless they're checking your basic boxes and you really feel like I could buy this. Don't go just, well, I got nothing better to do. Don't go just because, well, they had a couple of things, but there's a couple of things that I really don't want, right? My wife and I are not going to see properties that, okay, it's the right size, good location. It's $200,000 more than we can spend. 
we're not going to go see that. Or it's the right size, it's the right price. It's in a crappy location. We don't want to live around there. We're not going to go see it. So we're only going to look at things that are real possibilities of a commitment. And you're going to drive yourself insane and you're going to create a lot of drama with the people you're meeting if you are not doing the same thing with even a person you're meeting for coffee. You, when you walk into coffee date with someone from an online thing, you got to almost like, I have my money in my pocket. Like I'm ready to buy. I'm ready to commit because everything I've seen about you up until our face-to-face meeting, it's all green light. But you know what's weird? We have found some properties that look good from a distance. The pictures look good. The location, the price. We walk in and it's like, you know, I don't know what it is, but this doesn't feel right. Nope. Dot. What don't you like about it? I really, it's hard to say. I just don't feel a click. Other places? Wow. Just walk in the front door. You know, in the past when I've purchased homes, I think I've purchased three of them or something. You know, you walk into a place and it's almost literally within 10 seconds, like this is it. I know it. First of all, because it's already met my criteria to even go look at it. And then you walk in, it's just the way it feels. I don't know what it is. It's mystical. It's like, yeah, totally. And that's what can happen to you on internet dates. You can meet someone online and they're checking the major boxes. You, 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 maybe you've talked on the phone. Maybe you've texted. Maybe you FaceTime. Maybe you even Zoom. Okay? That's all great. That's not like meeting someone in person. Right? A realtor could take their computer or their phone into a property and turn on the video and show us what it looks like. It's not the same as walking in that place. Okay? So you can meet someone and go for coffee. And by the way, you should never go for a first date like dinner and drinks. Don't do that because it's the same way. When I walk into a new place that's checked all the boxes, I might within 10 seconds, my wife and I, yeah, this is it. Or no, this ain't it. No, I can feel it already. So you can go on a date with someone and they they are really interesting and they're checking some of the major boxes. And within five minutes, you can just know, I just don't know. No. But if you're on the hook for dinner and drinks, oh my God, now you're wasting everyone's time and money. So you just go for coffee. You just, no big commitment, just coffee. Because once you sit down with them, it's going to be different than when you talk to them on the phone or on Zoom or texted. And you might, within five seconds, say, oh yeah, oh yeah, I don't know what this is, but I can tell. I want to see this person again. I'm, I'm, I, I could see, I could, I want to date this person. I want to be with this person. You, you can know that very quickly, just like you can with a house. You can know very quickly. Oh yeah. And part of it again is because 
you've they've already checked some boxes for you to get this far. Okay? So look at the parallels between all of this. And 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 so my wife and I have gone on a couple of coffee dates recently and it's been disappointing. Like we've looked at a few places and everything looked good from a distance. But then when we got there, the more we looked at what it was happening and we drove around the area, some places look like, oh, that's the, a nice size. It's a pretty good price. But the more we are driving around in the area, nope, this ain't it. It's like, bummer. That place had a lot going for it, except location really wasn't, you know, it's not close to, you know, to Targets and Walmarts and restaurants. And it's a pretty long drive to get anywhere, right? Sometimes buying a house, you know, you, you have a certain price range, you know, and the more you're close to civilization, the more expensive it gets, the more you go toward the boonies. You know, you can get more house for your dollar, but you're also in the boonies. <laughs> so there's that issue of like, we do have to go to the grocery store. We do like to run out and have dinner. We, I, I do like sometimes I got to run to Target, pick something up. Crap, if it's a 20-minute drive, you know, each way, Lord, I think living out here, although we get more house for the dollar, I think it would be a pain in the ass. Okay. So we've, we've discovered that other places have been great location. We go in there and we see it and either the layout is not what the pictures were like, and it doesn't feel right. Or the price is just too much. We've looked at some brand new things and, you know, some of the, the models are, you know, they're not with any upgrades. So the price, it looked like the right price from a distance. Then when you get there and you see, well, we really don't want this place without any of the upgrades because it, without the upgrades, it's just not a very good place to live. But with the upgrades, oh, now it's out of our price range because you could spend thousands and thousands of dollars on upgrades. Okay. <laughs> All right. So sometimes we've found the right place, but the price isn't right. Other times the price is right, but the location is not right. And it's like, fuck. Like, you know, so can you relate to that? That you're doing this? That you're engaged in dating and relationships and online and you think maybe it might be pretty good and then you meet someone? Fuck, no, this isn't right. You know, they're too much of this. They're not enough of that. Oh, I, I thought we would have chemistry. There isn't. Or, man, there is some chemistry, but as I talk to this person, compatibility, we're not lining up. So maybe one of the first things we need to talk about is you can deal with some disappointment, some frustration searching for a house. And you can deal with some disappointment and some frustration searching for your partner. Can you not? Now, Handling that is a large part of what I want to talk to you about in this podcast. I want to talk to you about the way in which my wife and I, we've been talking about this, and I've, I've been the one to sort of initiate 
like the perspective I would like us to have in our search for a home. And I want to share that with you because you're going to see it parallels directly to your search for a partner. And here's the perspective that I've been saying to my wife from the very beginning. I'm like, baby, I do not want to go through this and be an absolute mess. I don't want to be frustrated and feel angst and be disappointed. I want to recognize that we're looking for a place and sometimes it's going to look good on the outside, but not when we get there. And it's just the nature of looking for a house. So both of us have said, yeah, we are just not going to make ourselves insane in the search. We're just going to recognize there's, yeah, there's going to be some houses that we think are good and they're not. And you're going to be in your search for love and you're going to meet people and it's not going to work out. There's going to be something that doesn't work. And if you get down and discouraged and frustrated about that, one, you could give up. Um, but two, you can just sour your attitude about dating. And, and then you're, you might actually meet someone, but you're, you're kind of in a yucky attitude about the whole thing. And you might even sabotage meeting a quality person because you're just in such a frustrated, disappointed mind space in your search for love. So I have set this tone of like, we are going to do this. We feel like this is the right thing for us, but we are going to trust that the right situation is going to present itself to us. Yes, we have to take part in the search, but we are not responsible for finding this place and we are not going to get attached and we are not going to have angst and we are not going to worry. I've told my wife, I am not going to worry because a little bit of the complication, I think I might've shared this in the last podcast is the place we're renting. Our lease comes up June 1st. So we have to make a decision. Either we're going to renew for another year or we're going to be moving out. So we've got a couple months, right? And I looked at my wife and she agrees, like, if we're going to stay right where we are and not find what we want, that's fine with us. So we are unattached to outcome. We're looking, we'd like to find something, but we are surrendered to the process. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. We're okay where we are. There's not a problem with where we are. If we find something, we're just trusting that the universe is going to connect us. Yes, we're going to do our part looking at the listings and going to visit places that seem to check the boxes. But we're doing it without expectation, without hope, without fear, without effort without angst. We're doing it, letting go of any need for anything to happen the way we want. So we are doing the whole thing from a place of trust. 
So what I'm saying is what we are more concerned about is not if we find a place or when or what it's like. We're more concerned about how we're going about the search. We're more concerned about our state of consciousness, our attitude, our way of being in the search for a place to live. That's the point I want to get across to you. I want to invite you to think more when you think about your search for a partner. How are you going about it? Like in what state of consciousness are you doing it? What's happening on the inside of you? What attitudes are you experiencing? How are you being with your search? Rather than focusing on the search itself, who am I meeting? Are they this? Are they that? Am I meeting anyone? No, I'm not. Where am I going to find someone? I don't even know. I've been looking through all these online listings and I don't see anyone that I want to live with. <laughs> that I want to, I don't even see anyone that I want to go walk in the living room and just check it out. Okay? Because there's these, these are two very separate things. There is the search and then there is the way you're searching. And I want to encourage you to be more concerned about the way you're living, the way you're searching, than the outcome of the search itself. So that's what my wife and I are doing. We're like, we're more concerned about how we're doing this, how we're experiencing it. And we're trusting that the rest of it is going to take care of itself. If we're supposed to find something, we will. If we're not at this point, we won't. And both of those are okay with us. You can have that attitude about your search for a partner. You can trust that if you're going to meet someone, you will. If you're supposed to, you will. You can be okay with that. But you can also trust that if you don't meet someone, that's okay too. That maybe that's the way it's supposed to be. Maybe my wife and I, even though we sort of want to move, maybe the universe knows something we don't. Maybe we shouldn't move this year. It may turn out that way, that we don't find something by June 1st. What if a year from now, the market is completely different and the places we're looking at now are substantially less money because the economy has changed. Then I might look back and say, oh my God, I really thought we needed to find a place last year and we didn't. And it's all turned out beautifully. Like, thank God we didn't find something because now interest rates are different. You follow me? And so you think you need to find a partner. And the universe might have a completely different idea about that. And are you open to the possibility that if it doesn't happen when you think it should, that in the future you might look back and see the wisdom of how the universe did it and how it all worked itself out? That's what trust is. You're not trusting you'll get what you want. You're trusting that you're okay now and you will be okay in the future, and you're okay with any outcome. I'm okay with or without a house. 
I'm okay with or without a, par- a partner. I'm just trusting that I will get what I need when it's right. Do you see how that would change your attitude in your search? Do you see how much happier you'd be? <laughs> do, you, do you see how you you would just enjoy the process? And if you were really trusting, do you see how it would be okay to walk away from a relationship that that looked pretty good in some ways, but in maybe other ways it, it wasn't? Like, in other words, when you're in this trusting place, do you notice how you would not ignore a red flag? See, because when you're not trusting and you really think you need a relationship and you really have to find one, well, then you can start to explain away certain things or ignore things or not pay attention to things because it's up to you to find your partner and there's so few houses to buy right now. Oh my God, maybe we should settle for this place, even though it's not what we really want. It's not really this or that. Maybe we should settle because it's so hard to find a house. Isn't that what we do when we're single? Oh my God, it's so hard to find a partner. There's so few really good partners out there. So maybe when I find someone, okay, they're pretty good. So maybe I need to kind of ignore this or ignore that. Well, that's because both of us are doing everything from fear. Correct? Scarcity is fear. But trust is the opposite. So if I'm trusting that life is going to unfold beautifully, that if I'm supposed to be with a partner, I will be with one. If I'm not supposed to, that's okay. I'm trusting that if and when it's right for me, it will happen. And when you're in that place, you would never settle. I would never settle for a house if I was trusting that this year, next year, whenever, we're going to be in the exact place we're supposed to be. Let go, relax, do your thing, but don't be attached to any outcome. You see it? You can be that way. I can be this way with my house. It's not easy. Just yesterday, we looked at a place and I felt my stomach begin to turn a little bit when I found out, oh, this place doesn't have any of the upgrades and the upgrades were like, I don't know, $40,000 more. I like, Jesus Right? I felt myself, I felt my little gnashing of teeth. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, Roy, what are you doing? What are you doing? Let go. Shift back into trust. Right? So, what I'm saying isn't easy, it's a little bit of a challenge. But you're up to it. And if you're not, you might just need some coaching. I had to get to this place in my love life took me a long time because I was, you know, I was, I was, I was really in the throes of an anxious attachment style back in my day, right? My first book was all about relationship addiction. I was a relationship addict. Well, in common day parlance, that just means you have an an anxious attachment style. It's the most common of all the styles. And that's why in my book, even before I knew anything about attachment style, I was writing that it's the most common addiction in the whole world. <laughs> and I've been confirmed by research. So I've been way ahead of the curve in my writings. It's been fun 
to see science and relationship research come up with things that I was writing about 15 years ago. So <laughs> there you go. So I, I had this, this anxious thing and I had to work on that with a coach. And when I met my wife, I had let go of all that. I was open to meeting someone. I was not doing online dating at the time. I let go of all that. Doesn't mean you have to, but I did. I didn't, I didn't, I just didn't want to put any energy into the search anymore. I was trusting if I'm supposed to be with someone, I'll meet them. Uh, you know, people have met for thousands of years without the internet. I didn't have to do any of that crap. I got too obsessed with it. I put too much time and energy and effort into it. I didn't like it. Got away from it. Within two weeks, I met my wife. I don't know if it'll happen that fast for you, but it's amazing what happens when you stop trying and start trusting. Now, we all know that this is true in real life, this idea that when you stop trying, things happen, right? Haven't we all heard stories about the couple that wants to have a baby, they want to get pregnant, they're having trouble, and they're seeing all the doctors, and they're having sex with the, you know, the certain times of the month, and they're getting fertility treatment, and, uh, and it's not happening, it's not happening, and they finally say, screw it, they give up. Let's adopt. And they, they put in the work for adoption and then she gets pregnant. Why is that? Because the body somewhat knows of the angst. The body knows of the tension. The body knows the contraction. The body knows the efforting. And sometimes it can block the, the flow of life. Like you get in your own way. <laughs> A woman, can, a woman and a man can get in the way of their own pregnancy. I'm not saying that everyone that's having trouble is keeping themselves from getting pregnant. Okay, don't, don't go too far with this. But we do know there are cases like that. There, you hear about them all the time. And you hear about in relationships. So and so, I just kind of gave up the effort. I just decided to live my life, do things I enjoy, be with people I enjoy, Yes, I'm open. I'm open to meeting someone, but I'm just not putting, I'm not, I'm just giving up the, I'm not searching anymore. And then boom, I bump into someone. I'm not promising you that'll happen. What I am promising is if you give up all the angst and the disappointment and the search, you'll be happier. <laughs> because I don't think the effort makes a difference in finding a partner. I don't think that people are not finding someone because they're not trying hard enough. Okay? There might be people in golf that if you're not getting better, well, you're not putting the work in. You're not trying hard enough. You need to practice more. Okay, maybe that's true in golf. I don't think that's true in relationships. In fact, I think it's the opposite. I think the more you try, the worse you make it. The more you obsess, the more you search so I don't think people are single because they're just not trying hard enough. Most people that I talk to, most singles are online. They're on multiple dating sites. They're asking their friends to fix them up or to keep their eyes open. When they go out with their friends, they're looking around the room and seeing who's there. They're making decisions on where they go with the idea in mind is, would that maybe be a place where I might meet the kind of person that I would like? So there's a lot of thought. In my mind, way too much thought 
on finding a partner. So you're not single because you're not trying. Maybe you're single because you are trying. Maybe if you trusted more and allowed the universe to just do its thing, in the meantime, you'd be happier. You'll be enjoying your life more. And I'm here to tell you when you're happier and you're released on the effort and the search, you will become your most attractive self. Because when we're needy and we're searching and we're needing, you know, and trying to find someone and all the online stuff and is my profile good? Is my pictures? Which profile should I use? Where do I go on Saturday night? How do I flirt? What do I wear? How do you say? How do you play the game? When you're in that energy, you're not attractive. Needy and desperate is not attractive. Now, I don't mean to say you should fake it. If you are, then let's just work together on letting go of the neediness and learning to trust. Because when you're trusting, you're going to be free. You're going to be more playful. You're going to be more spontaneous. You'll be more vulnerable. You'll set better boundaries. You'll just have a better sense of humor. You'll be more comfortable in your skin. Right? When, when you're really wanting to find someone, man, you, you can be really self-conscious. Did I say the right thing? Do the right thing? Am I wearing the right thing? You know, all this kind of stuff. And you, you get all that energy going on inside of you and it's not an attractive energy. So I think that's why when people quit trying to find a partner, they do, is because all of a sudden their whole demeanor, their aura, their energy changes. And they're just more attractive. And people notice. And boom. So think about that. The parallels between looking for a house and looking for a partner are unbelievably similar. I've just felt like a single person the last couple of weeks. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm back on the market. I'm looking, right? And I've been focused. Well, how am I looking? How do I feel as I'm looking? And I've made the commitment, my wife and I, that we're more concerned with our way of being in this search than we are in the outcome of it. And you can do the same. You can be more concerned about the way you're being in your search for a partner than the outcome of it. And if I can help you with that, and I needed help with that, I can't imagine anyone not needing a coach to help them understand how to let go and trusting and what does that mean for your life and in your situation because there's lots of yeah buts. There's lots of questions that may come from this conversation. And that's what I'm here for. I want to be your real estate agent. But instead of me going out with you and trying to help you find someone, I'm going to talk to you about your way of being in the search because that's way more important. And I want to talk to you about how to trust and how to let go but yet still stay open and engaged. Right? That's, the, that's the issue. 
We're not talking about disengaging and closing your heart and shutting down and never going anywhere, never doing anything, never being, never doing online dating. No, we're, we're talking about being fully engaged in the search, but from a place of trust rather than from a place of fear, which is where almost everybody is. The people that are in the search from trust, they don't stay single for very long because they're the most attractive versions of themselves. So the offer is there, as always, right? You can find me, Roy, at coachingwithroy.com, my cell phone, 407-687-3387. And now next week, we're not going to talk about your search for love. We're going to talk about life. I want to share some reflections on birthdays because my 63rd is coming up. And I don't care if you're turning 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 or more. Birthdays are opportunities to learn. They are trigger points. There's a lot of issues that come up around our birthdays. A lot of weird thoughts like by this age, I thought my life would be this way. By this age, well, God, I guess I'm a failure, right? And then there's issues surrounding just when you get older, thoughts of death, thoughts of the best part of my life is behind me. I'm on the final nine of my my round of golf here. <laughs> I'm on the final hole, maybe, right? So I want to share not about, you know, I want to give some hardcore training for life in regards to what birthdays can bring up for us. For us. And that is next week because the subtitle of next week is Roy's Birthday Edition. And until then, bye-bye. You've been listening to Attracting Lasting Love with Roy Biancalana. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.